read that scripture to you again. See, I'm doing a new thing. Would you say new thing? It springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I love this because it declares that God is doing a new thing and that it springs up. And then it turns and asks the question, do you perceive it? And we've been talking about how God can be doing something new, ready to do something new. But one of the things that we have to do is we have to perceive it. And to perceive it, we need to hear it, we need to see it, we need to understand it, right? Which has fit really well with our 21-day fast because we're uh, putting aside something and replacing it with time with God and our fast so that we can hear from God, right? And so today, I, I want to talk to you about change. How many of y'all are excited about change? Oh, come on. At least there's some of us weirdos that really like change. I re- I'm one of those weird guys. I, I really enjoy change. I think status quo is a little boring. It's kind of odd because as a personality, I'm very systematic. But I just like, I like enough change to keep it real, keep it living, so we're not just kind of in the doldrums of just repetitiveness, right? Um, new things mean that there's going to be change in our life, right? There's this epic story that's told in the Old Testament of Israel's history, and it it provides us with this lesson about change and the change that's necessary to move from the old things to the new things. And um, in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they were enslaved by the Egyptians um, for a long time, and and the people of God, they cried out for deliverance um, from their masters. And, you know, God is a savior. That's what he does. I think if you were to go to the Lord and say, you know, what's the family business? I think it said, I like to save people. I like to get them out and save them and redeem them and make them what I intended them to be, right? And out of his love and his, his mercy, um, he has this desire. He is sitting on ready to save people. His predisposition is to save people out of what they're, they're facing. And so when God's people are oppressed or depressed or in bondage, and we cry out to help, God will come, and he saves people. Um, and in this story, this epic story of Israel's history, the Lord raised up Moses to bring his people out, to deliver them from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And that's just what they did. And on their way out of Egypt, they crossed through the Red Sea on dry land. And then as their enemies came to pursue them, the Red Sea uh, destroyed their enemies. And they found themselves in this in-between place where they were out of Egypt and out of bondage, and they were in a new season, being led by God. Yet they were not in the new place that God ultimately had for them. They were in this in-between place. They were in the wilderness. So if you will, if you're following, they were in Egypt in bondage and slavery. God brings them out And they're in this in-between place called the wilderness. And yet it's not the place that God intended for them to stay. And I think some of us need to hear that this morning. God's intent is not for you to stay in the wilderness. Do you hear that this morning? Some of y'all can really identify with the, the wilderness. God's intent is to take us in to his promises and the best that he has for us. Here's the encouraging but sobering thing in Scripture is that the length of time that they spent in the wilderness prior to entering into that promised land was so dependent upon them. 
God was ready. It was dependent on how they would respond to God. They could enter the promised land actually just mere months after getting out of Egypt. And yet, um, it ended up taking 40 years to get there. Y'all, that is a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? Isn't it hard to recognize that the way that we respond to God can actually delay his best for us? Because, you know, we're in a relationship with God. And he wants us to cooperate with him. And in that cooperation, we come in agreement with what he's doing, and we come in agreement with the very best that he has for us. And so when it was time to go in the promised land for the very first time, this first opportunity, just months after getting out of Egypt, um, they didn't cooperate. And the way that they did not cooperate is that they were in fear. Would you say the word fear this morning? Fear is, uh, is a terrible master. I want to read to you out of Numbers chapter 13. And Numbers 13 is where the Lord is going to tell uh, Moses, listen, I want you to appoint some people to go in to the promised land that I'm going to give you. And I want them to be spies. I want them to spy out the land. And I want them to come back and tell you what they see in this land, which totally makes sense, right? If you're going to go and take a land, you need to know something about it. And so... Those spies went out into the land. They spent 40 days out there, and then they came back. And what they saw was they saw these amazing cities. They saw fruit that was massive and, you know, vineyards and and, uh, just land that was plentiful. And, you know, we're going to see this phrase, a land flowing with milk and honey. It had what would be needed to sustain a people, right? And so from that standpoint, it's good. But the other thing that we're going to read is that, well, there are some giants in the land. And that is where the rub is going to come. Numbers thirteen twenty six says this. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But, that's the phrase right there, right? But. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. And we saw the descendants of Anak there, and the Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But when the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there are, are the, of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. That night, the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Now, I, I want to pause for just a moment. If you're, you know, we, we, we drop in, we parachute into Scripture, you know. And so 
if you were reading before this, like the things that had happened, like God had given them this great victory. I mean, these people walked through the wet, the Red Sea, the wet sea, the Red Sea on dry ground, right? They saw the troops of Pharaoh who tried to pursue them get crushed by the Red Sea, right? And it's almost like, it's like soap opera land, right? That's how I, that's how the dramatized Mike Hennigan version of the Bible reads of this. Because when they go in there, they say, if only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to another, we should choose a leader to go back to Egypt. Yikes. Now, if you were to put yourselves in the Lord's shoes, and these are the people who have cried out to you, and now they're like, we need to choose a leader, and we need to go back to Egypt. Maybe it would have been better for us to die in Egypt. How do you think the Lord's feeling about this? It's like, what's up, y'all? What is your, what's your issue, right? He actually offers to wipe them out and just start over with Moses. The Lord can be decisive. Um, Moses says, don't do that, Lord, because they'll just say, you brought them out here to kill them. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, see, instead of entering into this new thing, just months after leaving Egypt, it would take 40 years. And it's that fear that kept them in the wilderness. God had a new thing for them, but they weren't ready to cooperate with him. They were even tempted to go back to where they were. And that happens to us in our wilderness experiences. Sometimes in our wilderness experience, we we have experiences where we go, serving God is not all grapes and honey. Like there's some difficulty. There is some struggle here. The enemy doesn't actually want me to progress. And I've got some things that need to be uh, taken care of in my own soul. And sometimes that wilderness experience can actually tempt us to want to go back. Which I would take a thousand years in the wilderness over another day in Egypt. Because in Egypt, there is no life. In Egypt, it's slavery. In Egypt, uh, we're, we're, we're not able to worship God and to know God and to grow in God. And so their thinking is so skewed. You know, this fear of giants, though, is a real thing. And, you know, in our lives, we have real giants to conquer. Um, we have... We get intimidated by these giants. And for different people, the, the giants are different. But when you, most of us can identify the thing that holds us back, right? For some people, you know, our uh, depression can hold you back. You just, you feel like you're in mud and you, you just can't move forward. And I don't know how I can overcome the, these feelings that, um, that betray me in order to take what God has for me. For others, you know, it's our past that um, what we've come from, and we think because of what we've come from, there's only so much that God can do with us, and that's just not the truth. Because we're a new creation, and God is, and God is into saving people, and He's into taking people's past and taking the 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 muck and the mire of the past and creating something new and beautiful that can actually be perpetuated for generations. Sometimes it's regret. It's not the past that we've come from, but it's actually the past that we participated in. 
And we can't get over ourselves and we can't get over um, the, the damage maybe in that, the real impact that we've had on others. But, you know, God, he is a savior. And it's one of the beautiful things I love about the word of God is the word of God doesn't cover up. You have stories like King David who, yeah, he killed the lion and the bear and he slayed Goliath and he slayed the enemies of God. And yet then he slept with another man's wife and it brought the sword into his own home and caused destruction in his own family. And yet with all of that destruction, God still saved him when he repented and came to God. And you see the reality of that. Sometimes it's addictions, it's things where we aren't in control and we recognize that there's something else that controls our lives. And so how I, I, the fear of, of, of overcoming that or maybe it's unforgiveness where there's a, a relationship or an experience that has power in your life that you can't deny. And that when you talk about that situation or you talk about that person um, or, or that experience that you've had, you can't let it go. And it's, it's become defining in your life. But I've got to tell you, God is able to get you over and through every fear. There is nothing that is impossible for our God. Many times our fear is, it has to do with, the fact that we're going to have to depend on God because we know that we can't do it ourselves. And let's face it. Most of us would rather take care of it on our own, right? Most of us wish we could overcome what's in front of us in our own strength. If we could, we would. But you know, God is really good at being God. And there's something really beautiful about in those areas in our lives interacting with God and letting him be the one who helps you overcome and helps you come through. See, one of the greatest challenges that they had was they were they grew up as slaves in Egypt and they were free now, but they had to learn how to be free. They had to learn what it was like to not think like they were still in Egypt. They had to learn what it was like to now rely on God in a fresh and a real way and let him provide. And so when they, you read these, these scriptures and they cry out and they whine, they go, God, we, there's no food. He provides miracle manna every day. Lord, there's no water. We're going to all you know, die of thirst out here. We should just go back to Egypt. Moses takes a rod, strikes a rock, and water flows. And it's these crying out to God and figuring out that, God will take care of his people. And he has what you need. Do you know that spiritual maturity is not actually self-sufficiency? Spiritual maturity is not becoming self-sufficient. I'm not saying that you're powerless. I'm saying that you know how to rely on God and he empowers you. Totally different than operating in your own strength. And you know, if we look at Canaan and we look at maybe the new thing or the area that God wants us to move forward in and move into, and we look at it and we think of, we evaluate ourselves and we evaluate our capability, yes, you're probably going to come up short because what God has for you is greater than what you're able to do in your own strength. Because if it's God, it's bigger than you. 
it's greater than you. The healing is better for you. The, the wholeness is, is more uh, full than what you can do on your own. It's always going to be better, and you will always have to rely on him. But you know, that is the beauty of our relationship with God, is that we can depend on him. Now, for some of us, and oftentimes, especially us men, we'll think of, yeah, but I, maybe I feel less of a man if, I, if I'm not self-sufficient. No, that's just not how it works. Because the reality is, our God is the one who is great and perfect and strong. He doesn't steal your honor or your dignity. He puts honor and dignity in you. And it's an honor and a dignity that is not built on self. It's built on who he is and who he's made you to be. So these things are not disparate from one another or separate from another. You don't give up one for the other. But humility is such a key piece Because humility says, God, you are God, and I am man. A lot of times we think of humility of how we compare ourselves among ourselves. Every time you compare yourself among yourselves, you will come up with pride. Inverse pride, pride, whatever. You'll think you're lower, you're higher. The way that you have humility in life is by comparing yourself with God. Every time you recognize who God is, it will humble your heart and help you to know where your place is. And that humility is something that God can work with. It's like soft clay, and it makes it something that he can create into something marvelous. But we are always giving him the credit and always giving him the glory. So for some of us, the fear can be doing something new. Am I talking to the right people? Like there's something in your heart, a new thing in your heart, and you're you, you, you look at the, that, that thing in your heart and you go, I don't think I can do it. I hope by what I'm sharing with you that that will actually excite you rather than discourage you. Because it means God's up to something. And you get to do, watch God work. For you who are the perfectionist and you say, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, what if everything isn't perfect? What if everything isn't perfect? And what if you make some mistakes? What if you fall on your face? What if you even get embarrassed? Just think it through and get over it. And keep on moving. Because that kind of fear of perfectionism, it's like, you know, I think God looks at us like, you know, he's training somebody how to use a two-wheeler for the first time. And he's holding onto the back and he lets go and we have a little wreck and he gets us back up. He says, come on, let's do it again. We don't look at that and go, oh, you terrible little child. But we get all adult and mature and that becomes our perspective of, well, if I'm going to do this new thing, it's got to be right. And I can't make any mistakes and I can't. Is that how life really works? Not at all. But we hold ourselves to these things, and that can be a source of pride as well. I don't want to look bad, or I don't want to fail, or I don't want to be wrong. Get over all those things. It's okay to get it wrong. I'd rather get it wrong and try, make a mistake trying, and find the things that God has for me, other than get at the end of my life and go, you know, I wish I would have trusted for more, or tried some things that and failed, Rather than not tried at all. Just allowing God to set you free for the new things. You know, if you have Jesus in your life, you're not going to fail. I don't mean you won't make mistakes and I don't mean that you won't fail at little things. But in the grand scheme of things, how can we fail if we're following Jesus? 
because we're going to go to heaven. And yes, some of us will say, man, did I make a huge mistake? But you know what? You will not fail following Jesus. I think about the disciples. Those disciples, they all they get from Jesus is, hey, come and follow me. They don't know what they're going to do. I'm going to make you fishers of them. What does that mean? Right? And he takes them on this journey. And when you read through the Gospels, the apostles made a lot of mistakes. A lot of failures. Peter, huge failure, denying Christ. Why? Because he tried to depend on himself and his own strength. Right? We think about those things wrong. But you see, new things take some risk. And new things, I think God is so smart. One of the things he wants to do is he wants to overcome your fears in the new things. There's a reason why you're having to face your fear in the midst of something new. It's because God is creating something beautiful in you. It's not to make you look good. It's not to give you the name or you the glory. It's to show how great he is. So we we have to make the decision to cross over from fear, the fear that kept them in the wilderness for 40 years, and cross over to this place of faith. Because faith is the antithesis of fear, right? They're completely separate from one another. And faith is what overcomes fear. Because faith puts its trust in an omnipotent God rather than on ourselves. Faith puts our our trust in a loving God rather than our own goodness. Faith puts its trust in in his ability rather than our inadequacies. Faith puts our trust in in his ability to change and overcome rather than the circumstances that we see. So how does how does faith work? And that's that's a whole series on its own. How does faith work, right? But I want to talk to you, how does faith work in the context of new things? And I want to show you that with two things. I want to show you by completing this story of them coming out of Egypt and being in the wilderness. And then we'll go to the previous uh, part two series and look at the end of that one. What happens is 40 years goes by. Joshua and Caleb were the two spies who had a good report. They actually get to live. Uh, their predecessors and that generation die away. And Jesus is, or excuse me, the Lord is ready to take them in to the promised land. And this is what the Lord tells Joshua, who's now the new anointed leader, if you will, to take the people in to the new thing. Do you catch that? He's getting ready to go into the new thing that's been on pause for 40 years. And this is what the Lord tells Joshua. He says in verse five, chapter 1, verse 5, no one, by the way, I apologize that the words are not up there. Uh, I'm out of sync and I didn't get the words to Ethan, but uh, I'm in Joshua 1, 5. I'm going to read through verse 9. It says, now no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Now hear this. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey 
all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you. Isn't that powerful? There's these three components in there that are so key that I'm hoping you will capture this morning when it comes to new things. The first key is this. He will never leave you nor forsake you. If you have asked Jesus to be your Lord and you have invited God to come into your life, he's not going to leave you. You can try and leave him. He will not leave you because he loves you. And he cares for you. You see, who is with you is so key. You've got to know you're not alone. If you're in a failure, you're not alone. If you're discouraged, you're not alone. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That second song that we sang, the new one, here again. It's just talking about how, you know, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. You're never going to leave. You're never going to forsake me. Knowing that the Lord will always be with you. How comforting is that? And that, that scripture, that phrase is sprinkled throughout the Old and the New Testament. The second piece is, be strong and courageous. I don't feel strong. Be strong. I don't feel cor- courageous. Be courageous. This is the place where you cooperate. It reminds me of when we did part two, we talked about Gideon. And, he, and the angel of the Lord comes and calls him a mighty warrior. And he's like, how am I going to do this? And the Lord says, go in the strength that you have. Do you remember that? Go in the strength that you have. Where you cooperate is your own strength, your own courage, your own faith, your own trust in him. That is your portion that you can put in his hands. Do you see that this morning? And so he tells them three times just in the scripture that we just read, be strong and courageous. He doesn't say, get strong and courageous. He says, be strong and courageous. He, doesn't, he just says, be it. It's like our part. You say, but Pastor Mike, I don't have the energy. Be what you got in you, and he will meet you. Do with what you have. You don't have to manufacture other strength and other courage. Just work with what you got and let God meet with you. The third part is, obey the Lord. Keeps telling him, listen, obey me. Don't depart from the book, of the, the book that I've given you. Don't depart from what I've told you. Don't depart from the principles and the rules that I've given you. Don't depart from what I've given you. These things I've given you, they work. Don't depart from them. I love those three pieces. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Does that comfort you today? I hope this morning that one of the things... I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I hope that one of the things that you... Um, you receive this morning is that if you're afraid, you're not alone. But fear is not an excuse. And God just wants you to overcome the fear. Just overcome fear. Don't be afraid of what God wants to do and what God can do. Because he is so great and so gracious. For some of us, we just need to lose our perfectionism, 
lose our having to look right, get it right, be right, and that kind of thing, and just be willing to make some mistakes, but be, but be moving forward, to have some courage and to have some strength. Those three parts, I hope those three parts will resonate with you, that he's never going to leave you, forsake you, be strong and courageous, and just obey what he has shown you to obey. Just follow his principles, and it'll be okay. Would you stand with me this morning? You know, I think if I were to go around the room, different people have different things that are the, maybe the new thing or the change or the thing that God has for you. And they're probably very different across the room. But this morning, I just want to pray with you and give you an opportunity to put those things in God's hands. And maybe whatever has held you back, just receive some freedom today. Maybe there's some financial changes that God has put in your heart and you're scared. You'd rather kind of stay in the wilderness, maybe even go back into Egypt than make those changes. Maybe there's a relationship that God is like, you know what? I can heal that relationship. I can make it better. I can transform it. And you're like, I just don't want to go there. I just don't know that they're going to change. I just don't know that the situation's going to change. It's hurt me in the past. I just don't know what. And God's just, he has put it in your heart. I'm not saying things in your head. I'm saying things that God has put in your heart. Maybe it's something new that God wants you to do. A new project, a new activity. Something that God's put in your heart. I just want to encourage you this morning, whatever the thing is that's standing between you and, and that thing, would you just put it in his hands? I'm just going to give you a moment to, um, to pray and to put that in your hands, and then we'll pray together. I don't think this is for everyone, but I think there's a handful of people that one of the things that the Lord wants you to do is get real specific. And maybe today, sometime between now and the end of the day, write down what your new thing is, the thing that God's put in your heart, and write down the barriers. Let them get small as you write them down. So, you know, you write them down on a piece of paper. They look a lot smaller on a piece of paper than maybe they are in your own life. And then praying over that thing. And then finally, what is the first step to take towards the thing that God has for me? So what's the new thing? What's my barriers? And what's the first step that God has for me? I want to pray for you this morning. And then we're going to end by just, um, we're going to have to do what we call kind of like a soft ending. Where when I'm done praying, we'll dismiss you. But I also want to offer the opportunity for people who want prayer. Because as we're getting to the end of this series, there may be people who there's something that they need somebody to pray with them. And we'll have some time up here in the front where people can just receive some prayer. And then for the rest of us, when we're ready, we'll be able to go out in the foyer and chat and hang out. Okay, but let me pray for you. Father, we love you. I thank you, Lord, that you lead us out of dark places. 
And you lead us into places that you have prepared for us. And God, I pray that in each of our lives, that our our relationship with you, our trust in you, God would just continue to mature and give us the courage to trust you. The courage to put things in your hands. For those today, Lord, who there's been a barrier and in the, your, their hearts today, you have identified the barrier in the name of Jesus. I pray that that fear or that barrier, Lord God, would just crumble. Lord, that the fear, the feeling even in their own heart, God, would dissipate. And Lord, that there would be a fresh peace and a fresh courage. And I pray, Lord, would you help us to take that step, whatever that first step is. Lord, I thank you for the promise that you will never leave us or forsake us. God, I thank you that we can trust in you, that we can rest in you, that we don't have to be perfect before you. Lord, but I pray also, would you help us to go in the strength that we have, to be strong and courageous. And, Lord, you will meet us every step of the way. God, we give you glory and we give you praise. It's in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Worship team is going to sing this song um, that that we uh, hear again. And we're just going to have time where you can stay in your seat and you can worship and pray. You can be dismissed. You can come up in the front and have somebody pray with you. Sound good? Amen. Be blessed this morning.